I know it's hard, to, uh, most of you weren't born before I came to St. James 27 years ago, um, um, almost 27 years ago, but in the last place I worked prior to coming to St. James, I was a full-time seminary student, which meant 15 hours of classes a week, and studying on the side, reading lots of intriguing books, and I had a part-time job in a church uh, in Wheaton, Maryland, and that part-time church, uh, you know, just the name itself gives off how part-time it really was. It was Director of Youth, Young Adults, and Education Ministries. And so there was a Sunday school of 200 children. I was in charge of making sure the youth program happened, and the young adults, I was, I was one of those once. I know you find that hard to believe too, but there was a time I was the young adult. And I thought I was really proving just how important I was to God because I was sacrificing every breath of my life. I slept. It was kind of like a hobby to occasionally sleep. I made sure I came home at least once a day to pick up the mail uh, take a quick nap and go back out or study or write or, uh, or do something because it was important. And uh, I had a beeper so that, you know, this was back in the days of beepers. It was before cell phones. <laughs> Most of you have no idea what that is. It's a little device you carry around and it goes beep, 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 beep. And then it gives you a telephone number and you don't know what you're calling yourself into. It could be, oh, James, I just wondered what you were doing. It's 11.30 at night. I was catching my 15 minutes a day of sleep. But thanks. What is it? Uh, so I thought how very important. And I made all these crucial sacrifices in my life. And those sacrifices were important. And those sacrifices were for me a substitute for something else altogether. And that sacrifice was for surrender. Instead of surrendering to what God wanted for my life and who God expected me to be and uh, all of my expectations of myself, I let surrender be my substitute. I, not surrender, I let sacrifice be my substitute. I made sure everyone knew what a martyr I was. That boy like lives here at the church or that boy like lives with the youth or like lives with the young adults or like always is with the Sunday school teachers. I was always there. I felt guilty for going to uh, seminary classes and sitting in there trying to jot notes down and make sure I knew something about something so when I was finally on my own, I would know what I was doing. And that is the life that oftentimes we lead, which leads us to this third step in the 12 steps. We began, of course, as James summarized, did a great job of summarizing this morning, we began two weeks ago talking about how we have to admit that we're powerless. We're powerless over our own plans for life. We're powerless over, over changing those plans. We're powerless over the way we judge everything. We have got a way of, I can be sitting quietly and have nothing to judge and think up something to judge right away. Why is that bird so loud outside the window? What the heck? I'm doesn't, doesn't the bird know I'm trying to pray? Doesn't the bird work for God? Doesn't God know that the bird needs to shut up? Uh, you know, apparently not. The bird doesn't know how to do anything but be a bird, and that's to the glory of God. So I'm always finding some program that runs constantly in my mind, and I 
have a difficulty giving that up. I'm powerless to give it up. I think I can control my mind, and just as soon as I'm in control, nope, another program's running, another program's running, and it's the programming of imagined control. And after that powerlessness, I come to believe that there is a power higher than me. Now, we name that power. Uh, in the Christian church, we would say that that higher power is the triune God, uh, the one who chose to become one of us in the person of Jesus. And we would buy that. But just believing it is not enough. For a long time, we made it sound like that's what Christian faith was all about. Just believe something. Anybody can believe that God exists. Anybody can believe that God matters. Anybody can believe that. But what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? That's the question that brings us to the third step. We choose to surrender our will to God, or the one we name as God if you're in the 12-step program. We choose to surrender. Surrender. Now, I think that the challenge uh, with the word surrender is uh, it sounds bad. Let's just be honest. No one ever wants to surrender. You know... uh, uh, if you watch any police shows, you know you, you know that they surround a house where somebody is barricaded in there and they tell them to surrender and throw down your arms and come out with your hands up. Immediately, you have admitted that, you know, I give up. I give up. That's what we think surrender is. Give up unconditionally. I want to suggest to you what Richard suggests to me. Father Richard suggests in the book, in the third chapter, and if you've gotten a chance to read it, great. You already know what I'm going to say, but if you haven't gotten a chance to read it, I'm going to tell you anyway. And that is, instead of thinking of surrender as giving up, think of it as giving to. Giving to this moment the thoughts that you're trying to get into your afternoon or the regrets you're trying that's all behind you, pulling you back. Give to this moment. Give to this situation. Give to this place that you are. When you're here, be here. When you're at work, be at work. Be all the way at work. And if you can't be all the way at work, take some time off and come home. Because you need to be where you are. That's the only way you'll ever fully engage life. It's the only way you'll ever fully engage and be taken to that next level. Is to be where you are. So if surrender to God, surrendering to this uh, God who loves you, who already loves you right where you are, if surrendering is the hard part, It is probably the most difficult challenge of, in my book, so far, of the 12 steps. Surrender. Give to God the right to say, no, you can't do that. That's not what I want for you. Now see, what what, uh, the Bible passage I want to read to you today, and I really like, intriguingly enough, this is a Bible given to me um, by my friend Michael years and years ago after he came back from England, the Revised English Bible. And I really liked this translation because I think it captures um, the piece uh, perhaps best. Jesus has been talking to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And, you know, who does everybody else say that I am? And so they've already kind of come to believe Jesus is perhaps, you know, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who came for us. So they've already admitted that. Peter's had a little backsliding moment when he cha- when Jesus says, and so I've got, you know, Son of Man's got to give up his life and die, and 
Peter says, no way, I won't let that happen, and then get behind me. And then Jesus comes on to teach a little bit more about what discipleship looks like. And here's what he says. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to be a follower of mine, he must leave self behind. He must take up his cross and come with me. Whoever cares for his own safety is lost. But if a man will let himself be lost for my sake, he will find his true self. His true self. What will a man gain by winning the whole world at the cost of his true self? I think that that's probably in many ways, uh, we always imagine that we can't follow that because in all the other translations I've, uh, I've read, it talks about life. And so you imagine you're going to have to go hang on the cross yourself. But I think even tougher than hanging on the cross yourself is giving up your own program for what your life is supposed to look like. This is the way mine is supposed to look. This is how much money I'm supposed to make. This is how successful I'm supposed to be. This is how big my church is supposed to be. You know, how many people are supposed to come? How much salary I'm supposed to make? You know, how many people come to me for my deep wisdom about the world and God and all of that kind of stuff? That's my program for life. It's not God's program for my life, but maybe it's mine. I want to make my parents proud, and they are. I want to make you proud. I want my children to be proud of me. I want all of this kind of stuff. And in the end, that is not what God wants. It may be. But my program is not what God has for me. God has God's own program for me. And the only way I'm going to get on that program is to give up my false expectations of myself. The person I imagine I'm supposed to be. Because since I was a child, I had this imagined uh, belief, you know, and, you know, mom is st still feels guilty every time I talk to her. She's like, I know I said that to you when you were like in fourth grade, to whom much is given, much is expected. But I just, you know, and so ever since then, it's like, you've got to constantly be doing something. You've got to constantly be making a difference. Every sermon has got to be perfect. It's got to change everyone's life. People have got to walk out like floating on clouds. You should be levitating by now. Come on, you should be levitating. But you're not. You're not. You don't need me to be entertaining, although that's nice sometimes. You need me to be me. You need me to be real. And you need me to be the me, not that I think you want me to be, but the me that God made me to be. And what I need from you, what God needs from you, what everyone who encounters you needs from you, is for you to be the you God made you to be. Not the you you think you should be. Not the you that society tells you you should be. But the you God made you to be. Deep inside of you, there is truly a true self. Now, over a lifetime, over being wounded and disappointed and sad and broken and all those kinds of things, over a lifetime, we build up these unconscious filters that become the way we deal with each other. Somebody let me down, so I'm not trusting you. Oh, I'll pretend to trust you. But really, I know I'm not really trusting you. You know, it's my stealth haze. No one knows that I don't really trust you because I say I do. But if I can get past that and realize that that's just an operating system that's bad, 
and that if I really come to trust God and put my life in God's hands, which means that word, surrender. I surrender my will and my life to God. Then we get somewhere. Then suddenly when I get up on Sunday morning, now see, this is part of my challenging program. I could tell you every week that I go home and I rethink the sermon from beginning to end. And it goes on all afternoon. And sometimes it goes on until Monday. And what happens on Monday is sometimes, I do this really crack-headed thing, totally crack-headed, I, uh, I pull up the video of my sermon from today. <laughs> and I watch it. And then I know just how bad it is. It's like, oh my gosh, no one will come to church next week. There is no possibility. How could I say something like crackhead over and over again in the same sermon? Well, because I can. And that's what comes out of me. I do my best every Sunday to do something for you that I wish I had been doing all my life. And that is, I, I try to be who I am. I try to share with you what I learned about reading the text this week and what I bring from a, a lifetime of experience, whatever those 56 years mean, and what I bring from not just knowing about God, because I really wanted, I spent most of my life, I've told you this before, thinking the more I knew about God, the better I would be. And I know a fair amount about God and about this book. And even more of this book, because this is just the New Testament. Uh, I, you know, there's another one over there. It's the Old Testament. I, I know them both. I know some of the original languages. I can read them to you in the original languages. Isn't that impressive? Aren't you really deeply impressed? Ooh, you're, woo. Let's just touch him. You know. But the truth is, those are just. Those are just. Dances we do thinking we have to be something other than who God made us to be. So in my best moments, instead of knowing about God, I bring you what I know God to be. Because I know God. Know him, not just know about him. I know him. And you can too. You don't have to rely on me knowing God just so you can, you know, it's like, oh, every week we've got to go stand near him because he knows God. You can know God too. And I'll tell you, standing near me, I'm not sure how much you'll really know about God. But if you actually surrender and let yourself be who you are, the beautiful person you were made to be, there's not a single one of you in this room that wasn't made to be something beautiful, someone beautiful. Because every one of you made in the image of God. And if you're not in the room, even if you're online, same thing for you. And even if you're watching this recorded sometime later this week or next year, because it'll be online forever. Oh, gosh. Someday someone will watch one of these sermons 30 years from now, I won't even remember what I said. Heck, I probably won't even remember who I am 30 years from now. But uh, we'll see. I'm hoping. 86, we'll see. God will still remember who I am. That's key. But you need to know how beautiful you are. That the self God made you to be is not something to hide. It's a gift. And it's the only gift the only real gift you've got to give humanity.
this world in which we live. You can think that the gift you've got to give is what everybody else tells you you should give. Your amazing intellectual prowess, your exceptional physical abilities, your strength, your wisdom, all those things are cool. But what would make the world better is if we were who God made us to be. If we let that true self shine through. And I think that's what this captures, this surrender piece. Let me say it to you, read it to you again. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to be a follower of mine, he must leave self behind. Now, he's not talking about the true self. You must leave that false imagined self, the one that everybody tells you you're supposed to be, you know, the successful, charming, amazing one, you know, the one that I am. But you don't have to be me. You can be you. Leave that self behind. That person must take up the cross and come with me. And lest we get weighed down by the fact we're going to be walking down a long street with a heavy cross hanging on our shoulder, waiting to be nailed to it, it's a different kind of nailing for us. Some of us are going to be really nailed to crosses someday, maybe. Maybe we'll be asked to sacrifice our lives, really. But the truth is, here's what it really looks like. Whoever cares for his own safety is lost. But if a person lets themselves be lost for my sake, then they will find their true self. The true self I made them to be. What will it profit a person to win the whole world at the cost of the true self? Who cares how much you own? Who cares if you're not in Fortune 500, if you're not one of the top 10 richest people in the world? You know, I read an article this morning, I don't really care. But the richest person in the world actually gives away this un... Jeff Bezos. Gives away nine one-hundredths of a percent of what he makes. Nine one-hundredths of a percent of what he makes. So that's really, uh, you know, I don't even know how small that is, but it's small. It's really tiny. You know, some of the stingier people in the world, I mean, they talked about some of the richest people who give away the most. You know, Bill and Melinda Gates, $96 billion, they're worth $96 billion. They've given away $36 billion. So that's a third. They're the most generous of the wealthiest people in the world. So, you know, we should aspire to be like that, I guess. I don't know. But the truth is, you only have something really unique to give away, and that's yourself. It's not about being rich. It's not about being charming. It's not about being handsome, even though I've got all those things going for me already. <laughs> you know, uh, if I can't be my real self, the true self God made me to be, if you can't be the true self God made you to be, then the world's missing something. So, your assignment. Take a risk. Take a risk to surrender yourself to God. Not just to substitute 
sacrificing. Oh, look at all the sacrifices. Look at how I work all these hours at church. Okay, maybe that was an indictment by God. <laughs> Jumping the Bible on the floor, James. Maybe it was just gravity. Maybe it was more like just gravity. Try to surrender. Try to surrender. Try to give yourself over to God. Don't make a show of it. You don't have to tell us all next Sunday morning, I surrender to Jesus. And that voice exactly, by the way. That's the key voice. If you can get that voice going, people will believe you for all of a nanosecond. Um, but uh, if you can really surrender your life to Jesus, you'll find that true person God wants you to be. And it's not a journey you'll make alone. It's a journey if we're really the church here at St. James, we're all making. We're all making. As much as I want to look good to you, I really want to look like me to you. We've had a, a fun ride this morning, and I just pray for everyone here, Lord, that we just find ways as we walk out the store to surrender, find challenges to give of ourselves, and to experience just some crazy interactions with you. Whether it's when we give up ourselves and we just inherit your kingdom, or we just meet people on the street and they just reflect your face to us, Lord. There's an encouragement in surrendering and I just pray that we all experience it as we go about our lives and as we just take the gospel into action, no matter what we're doing. Amen.